Welcome back. We're going to study today the fourth chapter, Perekrevi'ai of Ilchot Hamesu Masa. This chapter will deal specifically with the misvah of Bal to follow the language of the Pesukim, which, as we explained, really, it's the same obligation. It's not to own, not to have any Hames during the seven days of Pesach. But if a person violates this misvah, he's violating, he's deemed to violate two misvot, although they both, the application of both is identical, is the same thing. So this chapter will explain what kind of Hames is permissible to own, what kind is not permissible, and of whom. Halacha Aleph. Katuv b'Torah velo yira'elecha hames. The Torah says velo yira'elecha hametz. Let there not be seen hames that belongs to you. Yachol im tamanoto hoifkidoto beyad goyim lo yover. Given that the Torah says it may not be seen hametz that belongs to you, does that mean that if it's hidden from view or it's stored by someone else's house? So I, I give my hames to my neighbor who is not Jewish. Is that enough for, for being exempted from this pasuk? There is another pasuk that says And we learn this from the second pasuk. So both pasukim really combine with one another to cover all corners. So means it may not be, it may not exist. Not only may not be seen, but may not exist, even if it's not visible. Now, so this means even if it's hidden or in someone else's custody. Now this pasuk says, right? So from this pasuk we learn, restrict it to only things that are found inside my own house, but if it's somewhere else or in another city, that should be fine. So the first pasuk, says, also. So from the first pasuk, we learn that this applies everywhere. From the second pasuk, we learn that this applies for all kinds of ownership, regardless of whether or not we uh, have it seen. By the way, the pasukim are reversed. is first, appears second. The reason why we treat first and then Maybe because the first one is more explicitly about Pesach and it's about Hamez. The second one is just Seor and it's brought in the context of more of like a by the way kind of Pasuk. The first Pasuk, although it appears later uh, in Shemot Yud Gimal, it's more directly relevant to Hamez. So Hachamim preferred to treat it first. Now, we can also use some things of these two Pesukim to restrict this prohibition. Is it possible that perhaps this prohibition also applies to Hames that belongs to somebody else that is in my house? Because it does say, in your house, I would think this is only, uh, this is even if it doesn't belong to me. So now we go back to the other pasuk, and it's lo yira'elecha. It may not see, and there may not be in appearance, or there may not appear any hames that belongs to you. Yours, you may not have present next to you. However, you may have in your presence hames that belongs to others, a euphemism for non-Jews, or that belongs to God, 
In other words, Hameset was donated to Bet Hamikdash. Halacha Bet. Halamadta, Shahamesh Israel, Minihobi Shuto, Filu Tamun, Vafilu Baida Hered, Vafilu Mufkad Biad Goim, Hareze over Mishunlu Yira Evelimase. So now you conclude that Hameset belongs to a Jew, regardless of whether of where it is, so long as it is in, within the Jewish ownership, ownership, even if it's deposited, custodied by Goim, even if it is in a different city, this is enough to transgress lo yira'e and lo However, if the Hamas does not belong to the Jew, even if it's in the same room during Pesach, this is not a violation of Loira and Loyimase. Even if this was, it belonged to a non-Jew with whom the relationship is more of a master-servant. So Gertoshav were uh, non-Jewish people who had been uh, permitted to live in Eres Israel without getting full citizenship. They have to accept the sovereignty of the Jewish government. They have to accept Sheva Misvot Bene Noach. And, you know, they don't have an army of their own. They, so really, if, if we wanted to, we could force our laws upon them. And Hachamim would have said, but if it's of Gertoshav, you must get rid of it. But they didn't. Even if it's Gertoshav, you are allowed to have their Hamas in your house. But one must make, one must surround this Hamas by a divisory wall that's at least tall 10 tefahim, the minimum height for a mechisaz, we saw in Lichot Shabbat and Lichot Eruvin, lest the, the Jew comes to be tempted during Pesach to take from it. So let me just make something very clear. People get confused with it. There is no prohibition whatsoever to see Hamas in Pesach. Number two, there is no prohibition whatsoever to have Hamas in your house in Pesach if it's not yours. The only reason Hachamim necessitated, they required this divisory wall, this division, is for a different concern, lest you come to eat from it. But there is two, there's two issues here. One is eating Hamas, and the other one is owning Hamas. So for the owning Hamas, if it's not yours, it's not yours, period. If the Hamas belongs to Bet HaMikdash, you don't even need to put a wall around it. Because everyone naturally stays away from things that belong to Bet HaMikdash because it's a very severe thing called Me'ila when you sort of steal from property of Bet HaMikdash. Um, one point to note, in the last chapter we mentioned if you find Hamas during Pesach in your house, you have to put some container on top of it, cover it with something, and then after uh, Yom Tov you burn it or dispose of it in one of the ways that we mentioned. Here, we are actually requiring walls, and Kesef Mishneh explains that the distinction is that in the first case, the case of last chapter where I find Hamas, this is something that I, I, I know in my mind, I'm only putting this container on top of it for a few hours until the end of Yom Tov, and afterwards I'll burn it. So it's not like I'm tempted, it's not like in my mind, in my consciousness, this is Hamas that can be eaten. Nevertheless, in the example of a Hamas that belongs to my Goy neighbor that I'm keeping in my garage, 
this is something that in my consciousness is hummus that is edible that can be eaten that's not going to ever be burned and therefore the concern is greater that I might might be tempted or forget that it's Pesach. Al-Chagimal. Goy sheifkid hameso esel Israel. When a goy leaves hametz in the custody of a Jew, im kibbel alav Israel acharayuto shimavado nignavi shalem lodamav, if the Jew is responsible for any losses that occur to this hametz, and we have different kinds of haruyot as we are going to see in Ilchot Kinyan, but in here, Haramam is saying even the lowest kind of ahrayut, sorry, the, the, the highest kind of ahrayut, which is even if it was stolen or or, or nignav, or if it got lost, so this is like Shomer Sachar, Yishalem Dodamav, so the Jew needs to pay back that amount. That responsibility is enough to deem this hametz within the ownership of the Jew, and the Jew must get rid of it before Pesach. Given that the Jew accepts this responsibility, this liability, it's as if it is his. Now, I'm going to start pointing out a few things. Pesach is coming up. Please do not sell Hametz the way that people sell it today. According to Harambam, according to the Gemara, the Mishnah, the Tosifta, this is all a, a sham and it doesn't work for many reasons. This is the most fatal reason why it doesn't work. And that is that if I sign that uh, website, uh, and, and say that the rabbi of my community is entitled to fake sell my hamez for a dollar to the janitor or something, or maybe with a down payment of a dollar with a million dollars to come, and everyone knows that this is never going to come. One of the, of the reasons this doesn't work is because what happens if all the hamez that this janitor just bought now gets lost or disappears or is stolen? So in order for the sale to have been really a sale, it needs to be the case that the Jew has no liability over this Hametz. And the result would be crazy. The result would be that the janitor of the Bet Knesset would owe millions of dollars to all the people from whom he bought the Hametz, even without receiving the Hametz. Now you tell me that this is what people have in mind and that this is the agreement. And then we can start talking about Mechidat Hametz or not. However, if the Jew has no liability over the Hamas that is in his house, then like if my neighbor says, uh, do me, a, do me a, a biggie, please, just let me put the Hamas in your garage. You're not responsible for it. If something happens with it, it's on me, don't worry about it, then that's fine. And if the neighbor then after Pesach wants to thank me and gift me one of the bottles of whiskey he left in my garage, I'm allowed to have it and enjoy from it because this was under the ownership of the Goy. Goy Alam Sheifkid Hamesois Israel, a Goy who is a, uh, he forcibly, forcibly is leaving Hametz in the hands of a Jew. So this would happen back in the day very often. The uh, Jew, Goyim with power would take advantage of Jews. So one of these Goyim comes to the Jewish village and says, uh, You must keep this whiskey for me. And uh, I'm going to hold you accountable for every drop that gets uh, that disappears. If the Jew knows that if this if this got lost or was stolen, then the goy is going to force him to repay him. And he's going to force him to pay, even if the Jew never actively, affirmatively, willingly accepted this liability. The the obligation is. 
and this is by the way the theoretical law nobody's going to uh, you know put their their life in danger or whether you put your life in danger or not to fulfill this different question but this is the law okay how much we fulfill of the law that is but the law is the following because the jew is accepting liability for this he must also get rid of it before because as we said before having liability it's deemed ownership because this guy is going to force them to become responsible for anything that gets lost now slightly different we have the jew leaving the hamas in the custody of a goy as a security so I have a case of whiskeys and I tell it I, I tell the bank I want to borrow a thousand dollars against this case of whiskeys and if I don't pay you between now and whatever date then this whiskey is yours from now from now then this is considered in the ownership of the goy during Pesach. This hames becomes permissible after Pesach. The who, on the condition, that the time limit for repaying that loan, in other words, the, the, the time at which the security interest gets converted and the ownership passes to uh, the lender, is before Pesach. Because if it's during Pesach, there is always a possibility I'll pay in time and then that becomes mine again. And if the Jew did not say that this is going to be yours from now, rather the conversion happens the moment of default, then this Hames, it's deemed to be under the ownership of the Jew being custodied by the non-Jew, which is not permissible, and therefore it also becomes forbidden to enjoy from it after, until after uh, after Pesach, sorry. Very famous Tosefta, and this is the basis, allegedly, for the the sham sale of Hamas that goes on today. Let me just show you how this is ridiculous. So if you have a Jew and a non-Jew that are coming back in a vessel, and obviously they miscalculated how long it would take, and the Jew now finds himself with Hamas in a vessel, Hamas that he might need because you know that they didn't have uh, 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 food trays back in the vessels of the day. You brought your food and you were thankful if you ended up uh, alive after the, the journey. And uh, so you have these loaves of bread that you brought from whatever and you need them, but it's Pesach is coming. So it's a very delicate situation. It's Sha'at Dahak, as all the Rishonim point out. This is not. Something that you should do another fatal problem with the, the, the selling sham that goes on. So the, the Jew had Hames, and then uh, the fifth hour of look at look at the language. The fifth hour, in other words, arrived upon the Jew. This all signifies a very precarious situation, something that was not planned. What can he do? So there is two things you can do. First of all, you can sell it to the koi, or gift it to the goy, even having in mind that he's going to, after Pesach, renegotiate with the goy and get it back from him. 
ובלבד שייתנו לו מתנה גמורה. But this needs to be, unlike other places in which Ha'arama is permissible, we saw a few examples over the last couple of weeks of instances in which Ha'arama, in which doing something as a loophole is permissible and contemplated by Halakha, and here it's not. This needs to be an honest gift, willingly departing with the, with the ownership of this Hames. And, uh, and by the way, the one who has this Hames, it seems to be in this situation, is the Goy. So you actually hand over the Hames to this Goy. So this is fine. And Zayin, now comes a greater Hidush, Omer Hu Israel la Goy, and the Jew can even encourage the Goy to participate in this transaction. You can tell him, you know, you can buy with this amount of money, uh, one kilogram or one pound of Hames, I'm willing to sell you for this same amount two pounds of Hamis. Or, or you're about to buy from your neighbor the Goy, come and buy it from me instead. Look, there is a possibility, you know, they don't say it's for sure, but there is a possibility that after Pesach I'm going to end up without Hamas and I'm going to come back to you to buy the Hamas that I just sold you. So this is all permissible. Aval. However, he may not sell or gift with a condition, with a string of conditions attached to it. And if there was a condition, for example, if I don't pay you, this becomes mine again, or if you don't pay me, this becomes mine again. This is a violation of the Pesukim lo yira'e and lo very interesting, two ways of reading it. I'm going to present the way of uh, Mori Yosef Kafech, Allah Shalom, which I think makes more sense in light of Pirusha Mishnayot, Perekimal, of Ilchot Pesachim. Ta'arovet Hames, a mixture of Hames, and we discussed this uh, before in, in uh, I believe it was in the first chapter. Ovrin aleha mishum balira eubalimase. Kol mahmeset lotochelu, right? So kol mahmeset, for Achila, we spoke about this in the first chapter. Ta'arovet. Something that, that is a mixture of Hamas, it's not Hamas, but it's Hamas mixed with something else. And I don't want to get into this question, but I want you to think about this because it's not so clear. What is the difference between a Ta'arovet Hamas and Hamas Mamash? In other words, what if I have, let's say, gnocchi, which is made with potatoes, and it has, as part of its main ingredients, wheat flour and, and water? Is that Ta'arovet Hamas or is that Hamas? What if I have some uh, sweet things that inside them, in the ingredients, there is flour and, and, uh, and water? What if I have bread, but this bread is made with lots of eggs? So do I discount the eggs? Is that not ta'arovet? Is that ta'arovet? I don't know the answer to all of these questions. This is only relevant, however, for, uh, for, uh, for the, the Onesh, because ta'arovet hames is also forbidden on, on Pesach, regardless of whether it's actual Hames or Ta'arovet Hames, but it's something worth thinking about. Ta'arovet Hames, so the easy case of what is Ta'arovet Hames is something that was Hames, like a piece of bread, that then I let it uh, rot, become moldy, and then I mix it with milk, that is Kutah Bavli, a classic example of Ta'arovet Hames. If I have something like Kutah Bavli, Ovrin Aleha Mishum the Halakha is that this is within the prohibition of not owning it. Kegon Hamuryas, like the muryas is kind of dip that we mentioned before, vechutah habavli, what I just described, veshechar hamadi, which is some kind of a an alcoholic beverage done by uh, letting some grains 
that are fermented rest in water and, and give taste to the water and give alcohol to the water. That is done from kemach, not shekharamati, from other things. And all other things, edible things that have a mixture of chames, non-edible things were coming to. However, something that has hamas mixed within it, but it's not meant for, it's not fit for eating, for human consumption. This is permissible to leave, to, to preserve, to have on in Pesach. Now, Haramab did not specify here, but what is Ta'arovet Hames? Do we still follow the same rule that applies to eating? So just to refresh our memories, I'm only hayav for eating ta'arovet hames if there is a ratio of hames of one zayit for every three eggs or, uh, or less. In other words, more than one zayit for every three eggs. If, however, there is less than a zayit for every three eggs, I'm patur from eating it. Is the same for ta'arovet? So Rabbi Yosef Kafeh proves from Pirush HaMishnayot that, uh, that indeed that seems to be the case. Also for the halacha is that you do need that sufficient ratio for it to be hayav. And actually, his position is that if you have a ta'arovet that has less than one zayit for every three besim, um, it's, uh, it's even perhaps permissible to leave in your house and in your possession during Pesach. So again, if I have one zayit of hames mixing four besim, which is less than the required ratio, then I would not be required to get rid of this during Pesach. Of course, I cannot eat it, as we are going to see. Halacha yod. Sorry, halacha tet. Kesad. What does it mean? That, what are things that are not edible? Arevat ha'abedanin shenatanet ochakemach ve'orot. Some mixture or a large container where I mix things, I mix something in order to then put the leather and to make work the leather into parchment. So I need to have a lot of enzymes in there and all other things. As we explained, one of the things that they would use for this process sometimes to get the enzymes was uh, animal feces. So this is not a very pleasant mixture that you use to, to, to treat the leather. So if I put inside it kemah, I put inside it uh, some flour, which is also conducive. The starch is very good for, for the leather and uh, leathers. Even if I add this flour one moment before she'ata bi'or, before the sixth hour, because I mix it already, it's, it becomes part of the mixture and it's so, so disgusting, nobody's going to eat it. And therefore it's permissible to have it during Pesach. Likewise, if I put the flour more than three days before Sha'ata Bi'or, even without adding the leather, which is the disgusting part, uh, it still is mutar. Because in these three days, this uh, mixture will also have become rotten just due to the passage of time. If, however, I did this less than three days before Pesach, this is still somewhat edible. And the Hayav Levair, and uh, I must get rid of it. These are four examples also in, in Chot Shabbat of uh, medicinal accessories that people used to make. 
uh, using the starch and the protein of, of, the, of the wheat, of the flour. So uh, let me give you just one of the examples. Um, retia is a, a mixture of uh, it's some, some ointment in order to close a wound and it had water and it had flour and then you had a bandage and then you apply the bandage very carefully on top of the wound and uh, it would be glued by, by the, the starchiness of the water and the flour together. And that would prevent the, the wound, for, hopefully, from, from getting further infected. Uh, this is, by the way, also, if you apply it very carefully on Shabbat, that's the example of Memareah, just as a as review. So things of that sort that have hametz in the mutar lekayeman ba-Pesach, it's permissible to have them during Pesach. Because there is no form of Hames. And by form of Hames, Harambam might be meaning here that it's not Hames that is in the form of something edible. The function of the Hames changed completely to something that's not edible. And the, the Gebara refers somewhere in some places to Hames Nukshe, which Harambam may be interpreting as uh, the shape of hametz, and this may be, rather than what I said, this may refer to not having a shape of hametz, as if the shape of hametz is also one of the requirements for something to be hametz. Now we have a slightly different situation. We have actual bread. Nothing can be more hametz than pat. So it was at one point hametz. It was at one point ra'uile achila. But... Due to something that happened to it, namely time, it became spoiled, it became moldy. It became moldy. And it got to a point that it's no longer edible, even by a dog. Or also a melugma, which is also something for, for, uh, for medicinal purposes, but it's something a little different. Melugma is just... Melugma uh, from logmav is something that, that I, just, uh, I just chew. So I chew... I take a few grains of wheat, I chew them in my mouth, I chew them, chew them, chew them, and then I apply those on top of the of the of the wound. That is melugma. It's edible. It's very much edible. It's not like retia that has a function that's not edible. Shanisreha, but this melugma right now became spoiled. Enosarihlevair also need not be destroyed. So we see here a very interesting distinction, very relevant One are things that were never they never got to that hames. They never, they were never mixed or, or made in a form that would be edible. Like for example, retia, kilor, isperanit, tiriak, all of those things. They had hames as one of the ingredients, but they were never within the category of what we'd call food, edible items. So those mutalekaimamba pesach, those are permissible to have on pesach. Things that were, so this is mutalekaimamba pesach. I would add, regardless of whether or not they are edible to a dog. However, the, the something that was hames at one point, and then it's it, it became spoiled, it became uh, moldy or any other thing, to the point that the dog can no longer eat it. Now the standard is what can a dog eat, what can a dog not eat, in order to see if you have to do bi'ur of it or not. So that that's an important distinction. A lot of people get confused and they start asking about things that were never even food, like a perfume. Is a perfume hames or is it not hames if it's made from grain alcohol? So then they ask the question, can a dog eat it? Can a dog not eat it? For Harambam, it's a little different. This never had surat hames on it. This was never food to begin with. So 
you know, we don't even ask the question of the dog. הלכה י"א, בגדים שכיבסו אותם בחלב חיטה וכן יעלות שדיבקו אותם בחמץ וכל כיוסף הזה, מותר לקיימן בפסח ואין בהם משום לא יראה ולא יימסה שאין זרועת החמץ עומדת just to nail this point. Also, clothes that for which wheat starch is used or papers that were glued together with that, I don't know if in America they do it, I in Argentina grew up learning about this in school, we used to mix sometimes flour and water and see how it becomes an actual glue you can use because of the starch. So if you have papers glued together with wheat and, and, and water and things of that sort, in other words, things where the hames definitely has a function totally unrelated to edibility, to eating. So this is permissible to have on Pesach and it's not within what the Torah calls lo yira'e and lo yimaseh given that the surat ha-hames, the function of the hames is not there. Now, Yodbet is something that um, it's, it's, it's something that before we talk about Hametz, it's something that to begin with, it wasn't meant for human consumption. So let's say paint or, or uh, perfume or, or, or anything of that sort. So after this was the function of the thing. So let's say I have um, paint, okay? And to make the paint a little better, I add to it Hames. So that, that, that's the situation here. It's a little different than what we said before. Before it was Hames that was made Hames to begin with, but the function of it initially was not for eating purposes. Here, this is not about that. This is about something that is not Hames, but I add to it Hames. Not only if it's not edible for people, but something that's not edible for most people. Which is a medicine we mentioned before. Although it's permissible to have, to, 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 in terms of it's permissible in Pesach, it's forbidden to eat it until after Pesach. And this is regardless of the quantity. By the way, this line, if you think about this, gives a little bit of evidence to Rabbi Yosef Kafef's position that for Ta'arovet Hames, you still need the ratio of Kazait Bechde Achilat Piras. But even if you have a de minimis amount of Hames, it's forbidden to purposely eat something with Hames, regardless, regardless of whether or not it's meant to be edible. So it's forbidden on Pesach, just in case you wondered, to drink that kind of a perfume that was uh, made with uh, grain alcohol of, of Hameshat Mine Dagan. And with this, we finish Perak Ravii.